Let's bow our heads for just a minute. Almighty God, I thank you for what you are willing to do in our lives. And that you will glorify your name. Lord, just as I have for a number of days recently, today I claim that promise that you will give me what to say and how to say it. Lord, these are your people, and I ask that your spirit speak to them. I gave you permission to use my mouth, but please speak that their hearts may be touched and drawn closer to you. Amen. This has been a really, really good week for me. And um, on Tuesday morning in my worship, I opened and I was reading from Psalms 96, and it says, Sing to the Lord, praise his name, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. And I was impressed that when I talked to you today, I needed to start and end with praise. So we're going to start by praising God. And I have so many praises that God gave me during the week that I can't possibly share them all. Or we'd never get to the main message. But I will share a few. On Monday this week, in the early evening, it wasn't quite sundown yet, Lowell and I went for a walk. And we walked down our street, and then we turned down Wighorse. And we were just at the turn, and we crossed over the street. And I looked up at the sky, and I said, Lowell, look at that. Can you believe that? We're going to get a picture in a second. I had to run back across the street and get my phone out and take a picture of it. Because what we saw was a rainbow. Do you remember anything about Monday and rain? There wasn't any. Rainbows are really special to me. Uh, they always represent to me God's everlasting covenant of unfailing love. And in preparing for today, it was a reminder that God is with me, that he hadn't forsaken me and that he would see me through. See the rainbow? You can barely, barely see it in there. But what's really amazing is on Thursday of this week, there was another rainbow, even a bigger one, but I didn't get my phone in time to get a good picture of it, and the sun was going down, and it didn't rain on Thursday either. I had never seen a rainbow without rain, but God gave me two of them this week. Praise the Lord. Tuesday, I went into work. And I took my phone, and I walked around the cubicles, and I said, okay, Carolyn and Mary, you have to see this. Look what I have. Did you know that yesterday we had a rainbow without any rain? 
Now, Carolyn's husband is a pastor, and so she, not real surprisingly, said, that sounds like a miracle from God. That was your God miracle, and I said, yes, it was. And she says, but you ought to hear Mary's. It's even more amazing. I said, okay, Mary, tell me. Now, Mary isn't a real religious person. She has a Catholic background, but I don't hear her talking about God at work at all. But I did then. She and her husband have a have a cabin up near Lake Tahoe. It's a little bit south of it. And they bought it recently. It's on federal land. They have some other relatives that have um, cabins up there also. So they have spent many happy occasions there, um, camping with their family and celebrating holidays and vacations and things like that. Well, last weekend, two of her sons and her, one of their cousins and a couple of other friends were up there spending the weekend. And about 3.30 in the morning on Sunday, one of her sons woke up because he was hearing some wind outside. And a moment later, he didn't hear the wind because there was a big, loud crash that kind of masked that sound. And it crashed into their cabin. She gave me these pictures, and she knew I was going to share them with you today. And do you see that first picture on the left? Because this is actually two pictures, the same cabin. And how there's a big hole in the roof right there? Her son's heads were about a foot or two from where that tree limb hit. And every time she told that story, and it wasn't just to me, but it was to everybody else in the office over a few days, she had tears in her voice, and she could hardly control it. And she would say, God was really watching out for them. But later that day, when they sent her the picture, and then they said, Mom, can you tell us what the weather's going to be here tonight? So she checked on it, and she said, well, there's supposed to be wind up to 20 miles an hour, and last night it was only 6 to 10 miles an hour. And the guys talked with each other, and they decided they would sleep somewhere else. <laughs> but on Monday morning, they came back over to it, and then they could see there's also this great giant tree right where they had the fire pit and where they would have spent the evening before they went to bed. And Mary was fully convinced that God had saved their lives. And she couldn't stop talking about how God had worked a miracle. And I thought part of the miracle was that Mary was doing that. What a praise. One more. We have to go to Wednesday. Wednesday, I had a hair appointment. And at my age, that's a really happy time. But even more so than usual this time, because I hadn't seen my hairdresser, whom I've known for about 20 years, I hadn't seen her for almost five months. It turns out her 17-year-old son had Hodgkin's lymphoma and had to have chemotherapy. Now, I already knew the outcome because she had sent all of her clients a letter. And so I knew it was a happy outcome. I knew that on the 24th of August, he got to ring the bell in pediatric oncology because he had finished his chemo and he was considered to be cancer-free. There was no evidence. But I wanted to hear her stories. 
Well, I usually get home from my hair appointment by 8 o'clock at night, and I didn't even leave the salon until 9. Because she had so many stories, and she just couldn't stop telling them to me. And she said, you have no idea how many people were praying for him. And it was so cool. There were so many miracles, and there were so many times that we could just see that God's hand was there. It was the very hardest thing for me was to let him go into God's hands. It was so hard, but I did. And sometimes, like after he had his first set of three chemos, then they do another test. And when they went back in to get the results, the doctor said, you know that spot on his neck, that big lump? It's not there. And Marlene said, is that usual? And the doctor said, oh, no, that's not usual. So that's not the way it usually goes? No, that's not the way it usually goes. And she said, you know why? That's because lots of people are praying for him. I know it is. And the doctor went, oh, I don't really think so. And Marlene went, I really do think so. And she said, throughout his whole treatment, there were many, many miracles like that that he recovered quicker than usual, that he got his strength back. He got his eyebrows back faster. And during his treatment, he got to go to a baseball game once. He really is into baseball. He's still in high school. And um, when he came to the game, somebody told somebody, and he ended up on the local news. So a whole lot of people got to praise God for what he's doing in that boy's life. So we now need to get on to our topic for today. It was a warm day in late spring and in the month of Savan, and the young man was not praising. He should have been, he thought he should have been celebrating and having parties on the threshing floor and, and regaling each other with stories about past harvests and all the fun they'd had and all great crops and so forth. But he wasn't. He was sighing deeply. He was rubbing his back because it was aching because here he was in this little tiny wine press trying to thresh a little bit of wheat and hope it wouldn't get stolen by Midianites. And his thoughts were reflected in that deep sigh. And he said, you know, I really don't think this is what Moses and what Joshua had in mind 250 years ago when Moses was giving his last instructions to the Israelites. No, we haven't quite left Deuteronomy yet. And, and before they went into Canaan to come here. But, you know, I, I guess it shouldn't be too surprising because Moses did talk about not just the blessings but the curses. And that prophet that recently gave us a message from God and said, the reason that you have had the last seven years of persecution and tyranny is because you aren't listening and you aren't obeying God. And he said, yeah, that's for sure, we aren't. My own father is building altars to Baal. We certainly could use some miracles in this day. Do you ever feel like that? But I can't do much. What can I do? I'm a nobody. I'm from the smallest, least clan in the tribe of Manasseh. And Manasseh is not Judah. And it is not the tribe of Levites. 
What can I do? And besides that, I don't even have the time. I better hurry up and get this stuff threshed or I'm going to have some Midianites on here stealing it from me and we won't have any for our dinner tonight. Turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. If you have them, if not, we'll have some words on the screen as well. About a month ago, I read the passage we're going to look at today in my morning worship, and it stopped me. And I read it again. And I read it again, a little more carefully and a little more slowly. And I felt that God was talking to me through it, that he was telling me that there was a number of things in there that applied to my life, what I'm dealing with today, and with what he's asking of me today. And I thought I would share it with you in case, even though it's not new truths, that they might be present truths for you as well. Let's start with Judges chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, let's go back and look at it. Just a couple things in there. Um, some people feel that the angel of the Lord was actually Jesus. And so angel means messenger, and either way. I find it significant because the Bible always says things very succinctly and puts in only details that really matter. And when it says that the angel of the Lord came and sat down, why did it say that? And I thought about it, and I looked up other verses where either an angel or God came and sat down. I remember there's a tomb, and, and there was a stone rolled away, and an angel came and sat on it, and I love that. And inside that tomb, there was folded up grave clothes, and that's all. And there was times when Jesus was talking to the people, whether it was in the synagogue and he read the scriptures, and then he sat down and taught them. So there's a number of different times and different ways and different reasons that, that they sit down. But it seems to be that it's either that God wants to teach something, that he doesn't want to intimidate, but he wants to be on our level, or that something's really accomplished and really great. So, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak and Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And that stopped me. And as I thought about it, it, it occurred to me that when God starts a conversation with the Lord is with you, that's the truth. Whatever God says is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And what he says, you can take as truth. And so when he says that God is with you, God is with you. And you can know that for certain. And what he calls you is what you are. 
can speak worlds into existence and speak life into dead bodies and to dry bones, can speak warrior capabilities into you or Gideon. Do you remember Jairus? He came and talked to Jesus and said, would you please come and heal my daughter? She's really, really sick. But by the time some other things happened and he got there, the mourners had gotten there first. And in, in Luke chapter 8, verses 52 to 55, it says, Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. The next sentence is really cool. It says, Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing she was dead. But he, but Jesus, but God took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. So what was truth? Was it what they knew and what they could see? Or was it what God said? And in your life, is truth how you feel at that moment? Is it what somebody else has told you or the lies that you've believed forever and ever? Or is it what God says about you? That's what truth is. And if he says that you are parents, like he said to Abraham and Sarah or to Mary or to Elizabeth and Zechariah, then parents is what you are. And if he tells you that you are his treasured possession, you are. And if he says you are his ambassador or a preacher or a caregiver or an A student, if he says you're a foot washer, if he says you're a writer, if he says you're forgiven, you are. And one thing that he does say about you, and back in Deuteronomy, Moses told the people this. It's back in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. To the Lord belong even the highest heavens. The earth is his also and everything on it. But the Lord's love for your ancestors was so strong that he chose you. And you are still his chosen people. And you are. Let's read a little bit further in, in Judges, verses 13 and 14, and actually we're going to go through 15 and 16 as well. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Let's look at the next one, too. In verses 15 and 16, it says, But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? 
My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Let's go back and look at that a little bit. But sir, and but God, if... Those are excuses. There is a huge difference between saying if and saying when or because. Don't forget that. You remember when Satan was accusing Jesus? What did he say? If you are the Son of God. When we say, but God, and we give excuses, or we say, if, what are we really saying about God? Are we saying, God isn't able? Or are we saying that he isn't wise in his choice of us? God, you don't know what you're doing. What do we really think about who God is and what his capabilities are? God tends to choose people like Gideon who know they're not capable of doing what he asks them to do. He may have chosen you because like Gideon, you will glorify his name and not yours when you accomplish what he asks you to do that you can't possibly do through your own power. And maybe like the psalmist in Psalm 73, 26, because you are willing to say, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. So when Gideon said, but, but who am I? I'm nobody. And God said, I am and I will. Just like he said to Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and so many others. He's saying, it isn't who you are that matters. It's who he is. According to Sally Lloyd-Jones, an author that I really like, she wrote the Jesus Bible Storybook. Some of you have seen that book. Um, she says that the Bible says 3,930 times, but God. Many of those are talking about what is possible because God is God. In Jeremiah, but God made the earth by his power. In Psalms, but God will redeem my life from the grave. When Peter was giving his first sermon in Acts, but God raised him, Jesus, from the dead. And Paul, when he was talking to Timothy about when he had to um, be in court without anybody there at his side, he said, at my first defense, no one came to my support but the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. And so remembering that who God is 
makes all the difference. Another thing that I noticed in this story, and it comes a little bit more even after the part that we're reading, is about miracles. Miracles that we recognize as miracles usually happen after we obey. If you read in that story a little bit, you'll see that Gideon was asked to go and tear down a bunch of altars to Baal and build one to God before the big miracle of routing all of the Midianites. And actually, the first miracles happened right away. But people don't always recognize them as miracles. It was Gideon's willingness and his courage to obey. One of my favorite prayers in the Bible is found in Psalms 3, and you'll see a little portion of it in the bulletin. And it says, Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Do you hear that? No matter how many are saying of you, God will not deliver me, God is a shield around you. And he does. He bestows glory on you, and he lifts up your head. What a promise. You know, God does choose you just like he chose Israel, just like he chose Gideon. Paul knew about that. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31, it's kind of a long passage, but I'm going to read it to you because it's so powerful. Listen, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, and not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. It says he, but I'll say, but God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Whatever your but God is, remember that your situation or what God is asking of you may seem impossible, but it doesn't depend on you. Because whatever it is, but God is able. Now we have to have another praise. There's so many, it's really hard to pick. I guess I would praise God for family. Um, I have a very supportive family, and I heard from lots of them yesterday because it was my birthday. So that was pretty fun. Um, and this is part of my family. 
And I heard from several who said, I'm praying for you. I'm really, really praying for you. Isn't that fabulous that we have support from each other? And all through, like I told you, a couple of weeks, I have been encouraged by God every single day saying, you don't need to panic. It's okay. I've got this. And it's like, you're right. You're right. I'm not the one speaking. You are speaking through me. And I want to take just a one minute here, and I'm just going to be quiet, and I want you to think of one praise you have for God today from this last week. Now, did you find one, or 20, or 100? Let's just say, praise God, all together. Praise God.